This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Uh, I got a phone call from my mom asking if I wanted to go um, go to the gym. I said yes. Um, she said I love you. I said I love you too. Eight seconds later, um, the ice broke and all three of us, you know, fell in. One was able to self-rescue. Me and the other boy were 25 to 50 feet out from shore. Um, there was no way, unfortunately, that we could get back to the dock. Um, I had drowned um, about 10 minutes later. Um, a local firefighter rushed out on the scene to come save me. Um, he stuck a pipe pole down, which is a, a long pole with a uh, big hook at the end used to tear drywall down in the fire. You know, he had searched the area before, but he heard a voice saying, go two feet to his left. So he did. He, um, he stuck the pipe pole down and he found me. You know, I was underwater for 15 minutes. They rushed me to the local hospital where I lay dead for an hour and eight minutes. Um, my mother by then had arrived at the hospital um, and they did not call time to death, which, which is a very um, uncommon situation, but they waited for some reason. She uh, went up to my feet and prayed, Holy Spirit, give me back my son. Please do not take my son. Um, and instantly I had a pulse. Um, 16 days later, I walked out completely fine. 40 days later, I was released from all medical personnel and doctors. Um, there is a book called Breakthrough, and there is a movie starring Chrissy Metz, Dennis Haysbert, big casting lineup um, called Breakthrough. Wow. Well, that, that's a 30-second you know, snippet of, a, of literally a miracle. And uh, I see Sam and, and Coach both shaking your head and, and uh, myself as well. And so talk to us about, John, I know you told me the story earlier and you were on our podcast um, and, and you talked about the room, the doctors, your mom, they, they talked about the temperature in the room changing. So talk, talk about that. You know, it's, it's weird because it was a different situation altogether. Like I said, there were, there was about 15 to 30 personnel inside that little medical room, all working with me, trying to get a pulse back. They were doing everything scientifically and medically possible that a doc, that everyone knew, whether you were a firefighter, a paramedic, you know, uh, anybody. And what was weird is when my mom walked in, they said that not just the atmosphere in the room, like the feeling in the room, but the physical temperature in the room started to rise. Um, they, they couldn't explain it. And when my mom prayed, there were three people that had a pulse on me. One was on top of me and then two were on both sides of me. And they had different locations of where they were trying to gain a pulse from me. And when they said my mom prayed at the end of my feet that something so powerful rushed up me that it pushed all three of them back. And to verify this is that one of those gentlemen, he's about 6'7", 280 pounds. And he was the gentleman that was on top of me trying doing CPR. And it pushed him physically back. Um, that situation is just one of the many miracles that happened in the story of Breakthrough. Man, if you haven't seen the movie, definitely check it out or read the book. It, it's, it's crazy. So, Conzo, when, when you hear something like that, man, what, what, what's your thought? Like, what are you even thinking right now? 
just uh, really, uh, it goes back to Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the law with all your heart and might and lean not on your own understanding. And uh, that's what I felt in my spirit just as he was saying it. And I, and I did see the movie. Uh, it just, uh, it just, it, it gives you hope. Uh, I think more than anything, and just respect uh, to be strong, to never give up. And just the strength of his mom to consistently pray like that, pray with power, pray with precision and pray relentlessly. And I, I think that's one thing in our society, not to jump off track. I think that's where we're missing a lot of prayer. And I think that's why we struggle as a country today. Yep. Yep. So talk about that. So that's one of those things at, the, at work. You know, one of the values of our firm is, is faith. And I've heard people say before, like, Brett, man, you've got God on your website or you've got this. And it's like, you're not supposed to do that, you know? And it's like, well, no, that, that's, that's what we're about. That's what we do. And so, um, but when you hear that, you know, you're a, a big division one SEC basketball coach, but I know you, I know you're a man of faith. And, and so how is that, that you go out and still lead your guys out on the court but yet have your faith and you're okay with that, uh, with the team? Well, uh, probably 13 years ago, I, I totally gave my life to the Lord. And so that's how I live my life. And then, now again, I, I respect the space that I'm in and, and my players know what I feel and what I believe in. And uh, they understand that and they have their right to do what they believe in. But I think one of the things that, that gives me peace uh, when I pray and I, I lean on the Lord, it gives me structure and it gives me balance. And I think we all know without those two things that, you can lead a life of chaos. So for me, the structure of balance gives me strength to continue to move yeah. forward. And those are the things that I talk to my players about. And I'm not ashamed to say that I love God and I appreciate God. I respect God. But it also, it also gives me the strength to say to my players, I love you and I love what you guys are doing. But also in the same capacity, let those guys know I'm unhappy with you as well. And they have comfort in knowing that I, I truly care about them because I have an open heart to love. Yeah. So that starts with relationships, right? I mean, if they don't know you don't love them, then they don't feel safe. I mean, intimacy, all that kind of stuff, you got to have it. Well, I certainly think it's relationships, and I think that's first and foremost. But but part of relationships and what I do, just like similar to what my son, because I but I raise my sons, but part of what I do with our players is about having relationships. But but in order for us to get where we have to go, sometimes that relationship can be uncomfortable in order for us to live a life of comfort. Because I got to get you out of that comfort zone to push you to wherever it need to be. Not not just on the court, but off the court. Because we're also developing life skills. There was still, though my mom and the people around me did a great job in raising me and helping me, but there was still life skills that I needed to learn. When you're talking 18, you're trying your best to get to 22 to 25 to 30 because in hopes that one day, those guys that I, that I coach, they will be successful husbands or fathers. So they still need the necessary tools to be successful in that realm. Right. Because I would say that's almost as important as anything, right? Because obviously, and I know you guys got a ton of players in the uh, NBA right now and some of them in the playoffs, but the percentage, right, of those guys making it to the NBA is much smaller than them becoming the fathers and husbands and all the stuff they need to become. It is. And, and the thing that what, what we try to do, and, and, and my, my brother-in-law said this, and it really stuck with me. And, and I've always said to our players, life isn't fair. And I'm not saying that just what ratio. I'm not talking in those terms. I'm talking in what we do in our sport. Everybody wants to be an NBA player. And I always say life is not fair. And like my brother-in-law said, you have to work beyond fairness, work beyond treatment. So even if you feel like you're being mistreated, work past that. And that, and that takes a lot of resiliency and commitment. And you have to be able to do that. That's right. So let's go on to family, the next, the next F in the F5, if you will. And uh, let's talk about that. Sam, you, you obviously have a family. You are a wife. You have two children. And yet you have this very successful company uh, creating the world's quietest, 
uh, smallest breast pump. I mean, amazing again, doing great work here in St. Louis for our startup community as well. But just all the things that you have to balance between one, I want to be, you know, mom, right? You want to try to win that mom of the year award, but yet you want to be the, the wife of the year, but also the business person of the year. So how do you balance those things with family and your business? Yeah, you know, for, for better or worse, um, everybody wants to talk to moms about how they balance and kind of work-life balance and what that looks like. And, you know, for, for me, it really comes down to prioritization. So I don't get right now with everything in my life to have five Fs. You know, right. I, I get to kind of have Point, two things. Yeah. And, and, and those are the two things that, that I have to prioritize above all else. All right. I have to, I choose to, right. You know, so for me, the two most important things in my life are my family and my business in that order. Um, there isn't a lot of time for fitness. Uh, there isn't a lot of time for fun. You know, there, there isn't a lot of time for laundry. <laughs> you know, all, of those, all of those things that I, I remember uh, that I used to be able to do, I don't always get to do. Um, and that's okay because, the, I, you know, I, I am deriving satisfaction and fulfillment in the most important things for me. And I think probably one of my biggest gifts is that I am okay with the things that can't get done or the buckets that can't mm. get filled today because what the buckets that are getting filled, the two buckets are more than enough for me. Right. And I think, how did you, how did you become at peace with that? Because I know I'm guilty of that is beating myself up over, Oh, if I'm doing really well here, well then this fitness buckets dropping and then I beat myself up and then I think I got to go, you know, run an Ironman next week. I, I can't actually so I'm, do that. I'm but, left with an abundance of self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think that helps. Right. You know, and I, and I think just kind of knowing I'm going to be really hard on myself in these couple areas. And that means that I have to be gentler on myself in these other areas or find ways to fit them in, right? So I, I'm kind of one of those people that had a gym membership forever and never went because I couldn't find time. So I finally realized it took a pandemic for me to connect these dots. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I can get a spin bike in my basement, then maybe I can start kind of slightly filling this other bucket yeah. sure. um, at weird times of day. You know, and I'm not relying upon someone else's schedule or babysitting or opening hours. Yep. And so some of it's being creative and some of it is just kind of waiting for the time to arrive. And some of it is saying, these are unapologetically my priorities and this is what I am doing. And this is the goals that, these are the two goals that matter most to me right now. And it's okay that those goals might change in the future, but today these are my priorities and I own them and I'm proud of them. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's the, it's our culture, but the hats off to you for being a, a working mother and doing the things you're doing. And, and it's, it's tough, right? And so the pandemic the has not been good to working moms. <laughs> Say that again. The, the pandemic has not been good to working moms. Exactly. It's not made life easier. It, it is not. So I just say hats off to you on that and, and being able to balance all that. And so I would come back to you, coach, because I know you've got a wife and kids as well. And so you've got a lot to manage and you have a very stressful calendar. Obviously it's probably been back a little bit, but you're not traveling as much, I would assume. But uh, so talk to us about that. How does that family role come into play when you've got such a demanding schedule? Well, um, I respectfully say uh, COVID, of, of course, a lot of deaths, a lot of anxiety, stress, worry, uh, loss of jobs for families. But for me, uh, the great part about it has been the time I've been able to spend with my family. So I want to be respectful to all Absolutely. the loss, but, but to be able to spend that time because I, I, I got in this profession in 2020 and I've been playing ball ever since I left high school in 1990. It seemed like I've been going 90 miles an hour because you, you rarely get a chance to be at home for Thanksgiving breaks because you play the sport Christmas breaks, maybe a day or two here. If you had a tournament, then you weren't getting home. So summertime, you really couldn't go home because you had to work on your craft on campus, continue to get better. And I had worked summer jobs. So when I got in this profession in 2000, 
again, it seemed like it was nonstop. So this is the first time since 2000 that I had a break, so to speak, this long wow. break. And it allowed me to breathe because, again, I'm grateful to be in this position, but man, it's exhausting because the amount of hours you spend and just really when, when it started, uh, we, we started back, uh, good or bad, but we started back eating dinner at the dinner table as a family. You know, it used to be somebody's at the TV watching, my, my daughter's on the phone, you know, this is my, my <laughs> son, but we were actually at the dinner table together. And, that, and for me, that was a great feeling to have a family that to do that because, again, we're going so fast and then you lose sight of the little things and eventually they'll be gone. And my, my oldest son is 23, my other one just left for college at 18. Now it's my wife and my daughter, she's 13 now, so surely she'll be going. So I, I want to try to value this time as much as possible because it, uh, you, you never know uh, when it's checkout time for you. That's right. That's right. Anything around the dinner table, this is for all three of you, but anything around the dinner table that you guys have done as a family that maybe you can share with our listeners in the future, but the people that are on Facebook Live now, uh, anybody got anything you can share? I, I can share this one. Didn't I mean, now, we've talked about it. We, we haven't been consistent with this one. Yeah. We talked about playing that. You guys probably played this before. We talked about playing spades. It's a card game. Oh, you, yeah. You listen, we, we talk about that. My daughter's 13 because we, you know, my wife and I, we did it growing up. We played here and there, but spades and dominoes, those are. <laughs> <laughs> so really. That's awesome. After dinner, place of spades and dominoes. So we got, we got to get to that. We never really got around to it because just you, you go and you eat dinner. And my, my daughter, she want to get that phone right away and go upstairs and do whatever. But spades and dominoes, those are the two things the we ones. get to. I was just saying that the other day. I went to school at Eastern Illinois University and, you know, Euchre is a big game there, right? And so I'm like, man, my kids don't know how to play Euchre. I got to teach them Euchre. So how about you, John, Sam, anything you do around the kitchen table, whether it's a game or even just while you're eating dinner, anything? You've done a lot of Monopoly. My five-year-old addition and subtraction. Over that, that was kind the of- The longest what, game ever. Man, it is. <laughs> we play until he cuts us off, or basically he either wins or loses. And if he thinks he's losing too much, he's right. done because he's five. That's right. He's done. We have to take pictures, like, to make sure nobody's going to be stealing money or taking somebody's <laughs> property or something. You know, it's like, what's going on here? How about you, John? You have a wonderful family. I think your mom is on here. We got people saying hi from Brazil. I mean, all over the country on uh, on Facebook. So it's pretty cool. So if you see my disclaimers, if you see me over here doing something, I'm managing this Facebook thing over here. I'm not checking text and checking out. So, uh, but yeah. John, anything for you around the kitchen table? I mean, you know, it's kind of a little bit of everybody's situation with my schedule and my mom's schedule and my father's schedule. It's all kind of, you know, scatterbrained. Um, but we've been very blessed to be able to have family dinners kind of along with coach, uh, you know, COVID, you know, being respectful and all, but it has opened the opportunity for us to be together, just the three of us as a family, yeah. just sit down and have a warm meal and just be able to connect and, you know, have that fellowship. But, uh, you know, that, that's just, it's a simple thing, but it's a very heartfelt and genuine thing. Yeah, we do. And we're not, we're not perfect at it either. But one of the things we do again, having four boys, it's crazy at our house and we're normally running around from practices to games and you know, all over just crazy schedule. But as now, like you said, having those dinners around the kitchen table is what's the rose, what's the thorn, right? What was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? And what can you learn from that? And it's funny, even my youngest who's six, you know, they start to realize, right, some bad things can happen and it's not a failure if you learn from it. So spending time on that, I think is crucial. But this time of, of slowing down has been phenomenal. I mean, it's also 
very sad. All the things are going, especially, you know, our Metro East area where we're at here, they just shut the restaurants down for inside mm-hmm. dining today at 11 o'clock. So, you know, all those people, I think of Chop House downstairs to the people that work there, it's just terrible. So, uh, there's a silver lining, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on as well. So, Sam, I'm going to call on you now for your, uh, let's go to the, the, the firm, or if you will, the work side of things, right? And so, what's that one thing? And if you've ever read the book, One Thing, It's Phenomenal or Essentialism by Greg McCowan, phenomenal book. What's that one thing for you that you got to do no matter what today has to be done? Oh, I don't have one thing. I have a startup. I have 10,000 things. <laughs> Good point. Good um, and, point. And, 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 you know, it will often boil down to one thing, but that one thing changes yeah. every single day. Um, you know, in a, in a company that's manufacturing a medical device, it could be anything from, you know, marketing to manufacturing to legal, um, you know, kind of everywhere in between. Um, you know, the, the most important thing that we do is engage with our moms, but that doesn't mean that we do that every day or that that's the most important fire to put out every day. It's the most important thing we do, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other pressing things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. So talk about that a little bit about your backstory. You uh, went to Wharton School of Business. You uh, worked at ESPN out in Connecticut. I think you were out there, if I remember correctly, eight years-ish, somewhere in there. And, and you decided to, all of a sudden, I'm going to start the this thing, right? This, this thing. And you didn't even have children yet, I don't believe. So you hadn't gone through the process of that, but walk our listeners through the mindset of that and how you just think, yeah, I can create the world's smallest, (laughs) quietest breast pump. Yeah. You know, our, our origin story is kind of not what you would expect. Everyone assumes, oh, you had kids. Oh, you used breast pump. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, you created a new one. Um, And that would have been a very reasonable thing for us to have done, but that's not what happened. Um, (laughs) From, you know, the majority of my time at ESPN, I was actually part of departments and um, job, and I had jobs that didn't exist before I had them. So very early on in my tenure, ESPN changed the way they did data in stats across platforms. I was part of the team that was always figuring out how to leverage the, the sports content assets into new platforms. Um, and so I was very much bitten by this kind of chaos bug. I love chaos. I love uncertainty. I love figuring things out. And I had actually left ESPN to follow my boss at the time uh, into a consulting company he was starting. Um, that would basically advise startups and entities looking to enter the sports space. And I was on a ski trip with my husband on the East Coast. I like to say we were living uh, real lives. It was lovely. We had no kids. We had good jobs. <laughs> Life was good. Um, and I happened to open up uh, the New York Times app on my phone. And I saw an article that said, shouldn't the breast pump be as elegant as an iPhone and as quiet as a Prius by now? And to be very honest with you, I did not know what a breast pump was. Um, you know, again, didn't have kids, thought at some point I wanted to be a mom. I thought I wanted to be a working mom. I thought maybe I wanted to breastfeed. Uh, that was the extent of my knowledge. Um, but I, as I was reading this article, it just kind of became one more thing that women had to deal with working women, working moms. And I, I got really angry and I saw my future flash before my eyes and I shook my husband awake and he's a, a very gifted engineer. And I said, Jared, can you believe blah, 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 and climbed up on my soapbox. And Jared basically opened up one eye and said, oh, breast pumps aren't that complicated. I can build one. And uh, five years later, here we are. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if John or Conzo have that, uh, that talent. I do not. But so walk us through, so go from, and we've all read a bunch of articles, right? Everybody on here has read a bunch of articles, but how do you go from, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to build that in the middle of the night. And then it's now an, a real company here in St. Louis. You move back from the East coast, back home 
to St. Louis and now you're, you're impacting the world, impacting women's lives? You know, it, it's, it's not an easy thing. Um, some of it was just this complete belief that we were and are making a product that would make women's lives better. So, you know, there are hard days and on the days that are the hardest, you, at least for me, it helps to think about the women that have reached out to us because we've been very fortunate that women across the world have said, you know, if I had your product, blah, 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 I could have done this. <laughs> and so when, you know, problems seem hard to solve or unsolvable or you have a bad day, everyone has a bad day, right? For me, I kind of think about these women whose lives we can make better. And to me, there, there are very few things more rewarding and better than having an impact on somebody else, mm. right? You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I can use our breast pump, but I'm one person. You know, if I can have millions of women use a breast pump and I can give them time back, if I can, you know, improve their wages because they're not hiding in a closet instead of working if they want to. Um, you know, to me, that, that gives me goosebumps just thinking about the way that, that we can help other people. And so that's kind of what's kept us going, right? It was, it was having this idea and it was then socializing the idea. I mean, that was really the important part is, hey, you know, I have this idea. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Right. Would you use this? Would this help you? And then, you know, we did a Kickstarter campaign and we got a ton of press and a ton of positive feedback. And ever since then, you know, just hearing from people, from women, um, but also from men, you know, uh, the biggest surprise for me was how men could be affected by a product like this too, you know, be it cleaning, be it um, seeing their wives with their clothes on, which in some cases is not always a bad thing. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that just, just that impact piece. And it, some of it sounds a little bit arrogant, um, and I don't mean for it to, but just the ability to make somebody's life better yep. is, is what keeps me going and, and yep. what has, I think, really propelled us forward. I won't get into details, but I can think of the trip to Disney World, you know, when we had, I think we had three kids at the time and my mm-hmm. wife was breastfeeding and, you know, going into restroom and all the stuff you have to do, right? It controls your world. Konzo's, he's shaking his head. He remembers the days. So, so Konzo, question back for you is the same, same kind of thing. It may not be that one thing, but I always like to talk about the one thing and, and so what is that for you? When you wake up and you put your head on your pillow at night, if I follow you around every day, what am I going to find you're doing day in and day out? Well, um, I mean, obviously, I, I think about my family all the time and, and everything I do. I, and in between, whenever I get up, it's some nights of sleepless nights. So between four and six when I get up, of course, prayer, whether listening to something via phone, reading something, YouTubing something. And I, and I, I try to live by Bishop T.D. Jakes and Miles Monroe. Those are the two ministers that I listen to all the time. But for me, it's just really trying to maintain a, that, that I think I do every day outside of loving my family, but just try to maintain a level of humility because I, I learned power without compassion is dangerous. So I always want to try to maintain a level of humility. And the same thing I say to our players, as you continue to climb the ladder in whichever it is in the world that you operate in, fight for humility. Because for some strange reason, we, we think humility means weakness, but that's a level of strength to have humility. So in everything I do, I, I, because I'm in a leadership role, I want to maintain humility, respect, and honor for the people that are around me, the people that work for me and work with me. I want them to feel like we're part of a team and not that this is a boss and I have to operate a certain way because of his status, but I want them to understand I'm just like you because I learned a long time ago life can put it on the flip side. Now you're at the bottom of this life. What type of person were you when you on top of the world, so to speak? So I always want to try to maintain you. I think especially for you, you got the world's watching, right? I can't speak for John and Sam, but yeah, I don't have the cameras following me around or the press following me around waiting for Konzo to make one dumb comment, right? And so, but, but, and that's the world we live in, but it's amazing to me how you stay so humble and you stay such a, such a strong leader. And does that impact you at all? I think so. I think so. And, uh, but, but, but I also understand 
what, what I really fight for, and I don't, I don't think I have fully yet, but I try to live and understand my purpose on this earth. So I fight for that, to understand that, and to gain wisdom. And I, I continue to seek counsel from God, and I talk to him as if he's my father, not just like, hey, sir, can I speak with you? I talk to him in a relationship all the time. Because what happens, too, for me in the world that I live in, sometimes you can get so depleted by what was left behind or the last thing, it's hard to continue to push forward. Yeah. So you have to have the strength to keep pushing forward because it's not, again, I, I'm moving a team. I have a family, but there's also a team of young men that watch my every move. So I have to be accountable for all my actions. And there's a level of discipline and commitment that you have to operate in every day until the buzzer sounds. And, and for me, the buzzer sounds when they put me in a casket. So uh, John, sorry, I was reading his note here. John, let's talk about your uh, fitness. Let's go to that next F in our life here uh, is fitness. And so talk to us about that. I know right now you've even got a personal coach, maybe trainer, and you're doing some things. And so talk to us about that. Why, how important that is to you and Sam and Konzo, you guys can chime in as well. Uh, I mean, for me, it, it plays a, it plays a lot of parts in my life. Um, specifically, you know, I do travel for breakthroughs still, um, COVID put a little wrench in it. Um, but I still travel and I also work a full-time job here in Missouri. So I, I work five days a week, 40 hours a week, and then I'm on the road in the weekends and fitness for me, it's, it's my stress reliever. It's, you know, for that hour, um, hour and 15, you know, I can just really hit the iron hard and, you know, let it all out, you know, the frustration, the anger, you know, and for me, it's just, it's, it's that important, you know, in college, I let the uh, freshman 15 hit a little too hard. And, um, I just, I, I came home and, you know, mom started cooking for me and I started to see that I was losing some of that weight. And I just, I had always wanted to have a personal trainer. Um, the people that I got to know really well, um, through the process of breakthrough all had them. And so it was just kind of like my goal to, you know, hire one one day. And I went to high school with my trainer and he's been doing a great job. And, you know, just for me, it's, you know, it's, it's a stress reliever and it, and also, you know, our body's a temple, you know, and I like to just keep, make sure that I, I'm accountable for that. I don't, you know, want to let myself go too much, but I also, you know, want to be able when I'm 40, 50, 60 to be able to play with my kids and, you know, not want to break a bone every time I stand up. So I think he just called us old coach <laughs> when he's old and 40, he doesn't want to break a bone. If you played <laughs> golf with Conzo, he almost breaks a bone every time he swings a golf club. <laughs> so Sam you talked about your fitness life and you've got your uh you got your bike in the basement I've got my Peloton right over here it's in my office what I found is with the busy schedule I uh, I don't get it in and I give every excuse in the world I don't like working out late I don't like working out early uh, so I just said let's put it in the office and I'll find time throughout the day to do it so you got to create that environment right so coach for you we'll call him out because I think he's I don't know if he's still on here or not but Chris Hollander was on here and uh, you guys you know you guys are walking a lot I mean so talk to us about your exercise and maybe you guys got a little contest going you and Chris well for those that don't know, Chris is a, is a guy on my staff. Uh, he's done a tremendous job in our program. And a guy I grew up with. He's a man of character. Uh, well, we don't necessarily have a competition. It's just holding each other accountable. Now, I don't know if he told you, I think Chris has lost at least 60-plus pounds. I mean, he's, done a, he's, he's lost a lot of weight. He's done a tremendous job. Now, he's, he's walking, you know, 10 miles a day. Yeah. Now, uh, and so I, I have to ask him. Hopefully he's not on here. I have to ask him, is he getting any work done? He's doing all this walking. So, but no. <laughs> You know, we, uh, but, but, but he doesn't see, he used to lift weights and get some walking in. I'm, I try to do both. So I don't get as much walking in as he does, but he's yeah. done a great job. And he's, he's again, a man of high character. That's awesome. Can I make awesome. one point? Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first is that I've already, already admitted fitness is, you know, lower on my bucket list um, or my list of buckets, but you know, 
I found that if you do phone calls and walk outside, it gets you not only some sunshine, but some yep. moderate exercise. Um, so for those people who are maybe listening in and are trying to, to, to fit everything in like I am, I found that to be really helpful. Um, and then the other piece that I try really hard not to neglect is mental fitness. Um, physical fitness is really important and you know, even for someone like me who doesn't get nearly enough of it. Um, but I think mental fitness, you know, taking whatever brain break you need to restore and rejuvenate yourself, I think is really, really important. So what's, what's that look? Sorry, go ahead, coach. Sam, how do you, how do you do that with, with your job and, and having children? How do you get that space to do that? Well, so I, you know, I, I, the, the kind of one thing I do for myself is that I have to watch some amount of TV. It can be five minutes but I need to be able to turn my brain off and let it kind of reset. So I am kind of admittedly a TV junkie. Um, I love to read. That also helps. And this is, this is embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to admit it in this call. Um, crossword puzzles on my phone. If I have just a minute to just type them in, I find that to be very soothing. <laughs> it's very random. <laughs> What's well, good for the brain though, right? It's challenging. It's challenging, but it's also just, just kind of taking a minute and putting whatever is percolating in my brain aside. I find that just to be very helpful. I like it. So how about meditation? Does anybody meditate on here? No? I tried. I, just, you? I, just, I can't. Stresses you out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm a big meditator and I got my six-year-old hooked. So it's, uh, if you, if you find it, find time for it to slow down. Cause if you're like me, I, I can't, I don't ever stop. Right. I just keep going, going, going. And so for me, it's that five minutes you can do it through the uh, Headspace app or the Peloton app. And that five minutes for me is a big deal to lower the heart rate, chill out a little bit and be able to kind of see what's going on, be more in the moment, be where my feet are, right? So now, Britt, so you're saying within that five minutes, you just kind of, you relax and just listening to whatever the sound is? Yeah. So they'll come on and kind of tell you what to do and what to say, right? If you follow Headspace or Peloton, they'll walk you through it. Because if for me, if I just said, oh, I'm going to sit in this chair for five minutes and breathe and look out the window, like I'd be four miles that way thinking about something else. And so what happens is they'll say, okay, bring your center breathing back, right? And so it has been so good. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit that they meditate or talk about it. But for me, it's been so helpful with anxiousness and just, uh, you know, running around and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm a big believer in it and just starting to do those 10 and 15 minute ones, which I never in a million years thought I'd be doing it, but been doing this for about three years and it's been very, very helpful. So it's space, right? Headspace, yes. Andy Pudicombe, if anybody knows him, I've been trying to get him on this podcast. So send him my way if you know him. Sam, you're in the startup world. See if you can make that happen, will you? LinkedIn, cold emails. They were. All right. <laughs> LinkedIn and cold Instagram, emails. Cold DMs. Yeah. Exactly. That's how half my guests come on the show. Um, so let's talk about this. So um, let's see. What advice would you have for somebody that may be struggling either believing in themselves or betting on themselves? And we can go around table discussion here. What, what advice would you have for people? Um, advice on whether or not they believe in themselves or trying to believe in themselves. Yeah, just maybe how, what, what advice could you give them to help them believe in themselves more? Maybe some things if, if, if uh, go ahead. I think, I think first and foremost, you have, you have to have faith within yourself. And I think uh, without faith, you have to look at it like you're powerless. I think you can say, because if you don't believe in yourself, then, then how do you, like I say to our players, you have a chance to be anything in the world you want to be because you can visualize it, you can dream that. But I said, if you don't believe it, how, why do you expect me to believe it? So you have to make me believe. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. You, you have to, but you also have to give comfort to, to be a listening ear to, to help people navigate through life, to give them a peace of mind to continue to push forward. Because sometimes, uh, again, your past can, and I say this word respectfully, your past can cripple you from having strength and having confidence and believing because you can get beat down uh, mentally so much uh, and then you don't even believe in yourself you struggle to look in the mirror 
Sam, John, anything? I'm, yeah, um, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of going with coach, you know, in a world today where we see nothing but chaos, it's very easy to, you know, have that mentality of, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do next. You yep. know, COVID's happened, you know, my job, like coach mentioned earlier, my, my, my job's at risk, you know, and, and, and it's, it's so hard, but having that belief in yourself, knowing that I can, I can make a difference in the world, you know, I can impact the life daily. You know, uh, one thing that I've always done for myself is, you know, with breakthrough, with having, you know, the Christian faith and who I am and being able, you know, I talk to people daily. Um, and for me, it's just been this aspect of realizing that every person I encounter, every person that I talk to, I'm giving them a little piece, a little nugget so that they believe in themselves, whether it's their situation, whether it's there, it's honestly like being a little beacon of hope. You know, in a, in a world that's chaos, how can we be, be the light to help another person eventually become their own light? So they, it's like a, a, a trained method, as, as I could say. Sam? Yeah. So, you know, many women, and this is, this is a proven fact, this is not me speculating, um, suffer from imposter syndrome. And I, I don't, um, as I mentioned earlier, abundance of confidence um, while trying to be humble. Um, that's right. <laughs> but... Um, you know, for me, I, I talk to a lot of, of women who, who are kind of struggling through the imposter syndrome. And, 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 you know, what I always advise people to do is to kind of take a step back and think about, you know, the things that they're good at and the things that they're not good at. And everyone has things that, you know, we're good at. We all have things that we're not yep. as good at. And, and so for me, kind of in, in, in times of crisis or an uncertainty or in a pandemic or in a startup or, you know, anything, it, it's kind of going back to those fundamentals of this is what I am good at. And the, these qualities are kind of what gotten me to where I am. And so if I find myself in a place of uncertainty or despair or confusion or whatever, I, I kind of can go back to those things that I'm good at and I can figure out how those tools can help me get to the next thing. And so it's, you know, Certainly, you, you need to believe in yourself, but, you know, we, I often get asked about kind of the tangible pieces of, you know, what do you do? And so I always ask someone, you know, what are you good at? What are you proud of? You know, if, if you were to tell someone, uh, you know, if you were to kind of write in a vacuum or no one would ever know it was you, you know, what are you good at? What are you proud of? What do you do well? That's what you focus on. And that, those are the tools that you need to solve any problem or make any change because, um, you know, when we're adults, there's always things that we're working on, but we're fully formed people, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, we can't, we, we, we should acknowledge the things that we're not good at and, and take steps to, to make them better, but they're never going to be the best things about us. We're rarely going to be the best things about us. And so how do we kind of take these pieces that we are our strengths and, and really figure out how to leverage them and, and use that to make our lives better. I like it. So I'm going to open it up for questions. I got another page and a half of questions here. And one of them actually was, what are you most proud of? But I'd like to open it up for anybody here on Facebook that wants to chime in, ask a question, uh, by all means, uh, type away. And while I'm waiting here and buying time for a question, I'll, I'll ask one right now while we're waiting is uh, talk to us about books. The best book you've read, what would you recommend? If somebody said you only have one book to recommend and it can't be the Bible, because uh, that, that's what you're going to say. Uh, it can't be the Bible. What book would you recommend? Conzo? I, I, I've read quite a few. I think um, I, I would have to say right now, I, I read Martin Luther King's book. I read Malcolm X's autobiography. I, I think, that, you know, I, I don't have one, but I, I would say books that are easy reads, uh, all of John Gordon's book. I've probably read all his books. Like Energy, Energy Bus Energy is probably Bus. Favorites. I still kind of go back and forth with that one. Uh, Jay Billis had a book called Toughness, but it's hard to say one book because <laughs> there, there's so many. And, and uh, 
it's a lot of learning. So I wish I, I, I can't give you just one. All right. The energy bus is good though. It's on my top four. John, you got a book? Um, for me, obviously I'm in college and so I'm, I'm a church leadership major and part of the courses we have to uh, take a course called Sociology of American Youth. And it's basically just a class to understand future generations. And one of my favorite book is just Generation Z, you know, the aspect of how do we as, you know, how do we relate to that generation? How do we help that generation? You know, the impact, you know, it's different now that they have, they're three and two years old having an iPad in their hand compared to when I was a kid, I had Goodnight Moon in my hand. And so it's, it's just that book's really key to me because, you know, since I talk to youth every day, just how do I relate? How do I help them out? You know, that book was one of my favorites because it, it brought a lot of statistics that I never really thought of, just things that were completely out of the box. Sam? So my favorite, you know, book, and in the, some of this is situational, but it, it's What Do You Do With an Idea? It's actually a children's book. And, you know, I'm kind of all about how do you take this concept and nourish it and bring it to life. And I just, I really enjoy that book. Um, yeah. What do you do with an idea? I like do with that. An idea. I believe the sequel, but I might be wrong, is what do you do with a problem? <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's, I, obviously I'm in a stage where I'm reading a lot of children's books. Um, and I read a lot of adult books too, but um, they're all very embarrassing and, and probably not a really uh, helpful from an advice standpoint. <laughs> not the ones we're talking about here on the circuit exactly. success, right? Exactly. Uh, well, again, if you're, if you're listening and you want to ask a question, by all means, type away. Uh, a question for you. This is for more Conzo and Sam, uh, you know, because John, you, you mentioned earlier you're in college. So my, my question is, if you could give yourself advice, go back you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And John, if you've got a thought on this as well, by all, by all means, chime in. But what advice would you give yourself 10, 15, 20 years ago? Go ahead. Yeah, right um, you know, I, I think there's two pieces. The first is that where you start does not necessarily have to be where you end up. And I think kind of recognizing that you're going to take twists and turns that you don't see coming and they could be good things. Um, and then the other piece, though, is kind of recognizing that decisions you make early can affect you later on. So anything from a starting salary to a level of a job to the amount of money and, you know, terms that you take in a startup, right? It can be kind of anything. Um, but kind of recognizing that one, you're, you're never boxed in, but things can be tied together. Tonzo? I, I would say, um, and this is probably not as specific, but I'll get to it. But my wife and I talk about this all the time. And I, and I heard uh, Bishop T.D. Jake said this a long time ago, but if you, if you save your children from trouble, you were robbed them of their destiny. So, you know, and, and going through whatever it is I went through, you know, and, I, and I've seen some things in East St. Louis growing up and I experienced a lot of things, uh, some things you probably don't want to see as a, as a, as a young guy, but I, I, but I lived that and I wouldn't change any of that because I think that's what part of what made me uh, the man I am today. So I think as parents, and I, when I talk to parents, especially their children in sports, you, you have to allow them to grow through pain, trials, and errors. That, that's what allows them to grow. And, and, and if they can go through discomfort and always say, you want your children to have discomfort. You want the rain to come down when they're at home because you have that protective umbrella. Once they leave you home, your home, they no longer have that umbrella of protection. So you have to equip them with the necessary tools while they're under your umbrella. So when they make mistakes, you can talk them through it. Because once they leave the home, you, you're hopeful that you did everything that you need to do as a parent to equip them with the tools. So for me, it's the same thing. Just I'm, I'm glad my mom, uh, we, we lacked a lot of resources. So we had to, you know, scrap and make things work. But I learned some lessons through all of that. Good. 
Thank you for sharing. So Joyce uh, on here says, what have you guys learned during this quarantine? So um, any, any big learnings? We talked about the family time. That's a big deal. But what, what have you learned either about yourself or just really, I guess, about life? Thanks for the question, Joyce. Can I start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I've, given, I've given talks on audacious optimism and just kind of how framing things can make such a difference. And there are so many horrible things about this pandemic, and I don't want to make light of them, and I don't want to minimize them. But I also think that for most of us, for many of us, there, there is a real opportunity to not view this as, you know, a year lost of our lives, as opposed to an opportunity to really see things differently, right? I've loved having the time at home with my kids. Um, I did not love sleeping less because I was up till all hours of the night working and and trying to make it work. So I'm not, this was not, you know, a picnic. Um, But I I think that in almost every situation, almost, there is a bright side or a silver lining or something good. And and at least for me, kind of as as I've seen people go through this, this pandemic, you can kind of tell who can, who is the optimist and, and who is not. And, you know, for me, I, I look at this as a gift. I, I think, you know, everything that's happened, good or bad, is a gift. And it's been hard, um, but it's also been in some ways really wonderful. Yep. John, what about you? Uh, I mean, this quarantine has really, you know, opened my eyes on just the the importance of remembering family time, no matter what the situation is, or I should say, no matter what the age is. You know, me obviously being in college, just getting out of high school. Um, I remember, you know, my high school, I was not, when, as soon as I got my license, I was just not around. Um, I mean, I had my car, I was gone. And, you know, this quarantine's really just, you know, really brought back the importance of, you know, seeing my folks, seeing my parents, you know, seeing, you know, my fiance's family, just taking that time to, you know, invest not only in yourself, but in your family, because, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. You know, we're not promised that, you know, we're going to be here tomorrow. And just, you know, that simple, I love you, that simple, thank you, you know, it can go a long way. I think too, real quick before you go, coaches, uh, John, you and I were on the phone last night talking and I said something about, it was an aha for me. I said, unfortunately, home from college, missing that experience. And it was really cool, your answer. And I don't know if you remember what your answer was, but you, you flipped it in a way that was so positive. And to your point, Sam, is, uh, you know, not being pessimistic about missing that year of college, right? You turned it into an unbelievable uh, opportunity. And I thought that was really, really cool. So, uh, Coach, what about you? Well, the, the thing for me is you, you experience COVID. Uh, it helps you understand you have to value your time and your resource. Eventually, you'll run out of both. I think that is we have to value that time, value the resource that we have. Eventually, they'll both be. So here's a question from uh, Chris Hersey. He says, uh, with new uh, unemployment, so Monday, August 31st, what, what goals should we look to accomplish or expect in a new career for balancing happiness, specifically with the five Fs? So uh, what goals should we look to accomplish or expect in a new career for balancing happiness, specifically the five Fs? I, I can read some for that and just I have some right here. And I, I think happiness, uh, you find happiness. And I don't think you start looking for happiness elsewhere. And I'm not an expert on happiness. You look for it elsewhere, it's hard to find. But I have this written down. If you lack confidence and happiness in private, you won't have any power in public. You won't have any peace in public. If you're a failure in private, it's not them, it's you. Because you think about it, there's no one there but you. So you, you impose that, you inflict that on yourself. And you have to really believe that. I, I think your happiness comes from within. Uh, even in relationships, you seek relationship for happiness, then you're not going to be consistently happy because you're seeking something that you already, you have to find that within. I think that's very important to have inner peace to move forward. 
Don't you think sometimes when you, you in, in our minds, we can say when this thing happens, right, I'll be happy or when that thing happens and it, it never changes, right? I think it's important to recognize that, especially in times like this where there's such high unemployment and, and you know, not everything is going to be in balance all the time. You may have to take a job that you don't want to take or that doesn't give you that satisfaction that you wish it did in the short term. Um, and then maybe you're able to fill your fitness bucket or your family bucket or whatever it happens to be. And, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be all Pollyanna and sunshine and happy and say, oh, my gosh, you should, you know, wait and get whatever you can get. Or, you right. know, you should have these categories or these criterion and you should only, you know, adhere to them. This is things are tough right now. And, you know, we all may have to make choices that we wish we didn't have to make or don't want to make or uncomfortable making. And, and I think that's why, you know, it's not one F, right? I, I think there's all of these other pieces that combine to make you a whole person, you know, no matter how many Fs or whatever letters you have. And, and so I think recognizing that not everything is going to be perfectly in balance all the time. Yeah. And I would say, just piggyback on that. I think when, when you talk about those five different Fs, you, you're absolutely right. So one could be a 10 on a scale, one to 10, one's a one, one's a three, one's a seven, right? And so I think that's important. I call it strategic think time. You know, my black journal, it's with me everywhere I go. It's constantly spending time thinking about where you're at in life, right? So the more I can journal, the more I can write down, and then I can check in with myself, right? How is my faith life going right now? Well, you look at March and April, all these times, well, I'm, I'm not even able to go to church, right? So my bucket might have been a two or a three. Well, I got to get to work on that. And if you slow down to speed up and you spend time with the journal, you spend time with your mind. I know, Konzo, you've talked in the past, that four o'clock to six o'clock in the morning time frame where phones aren't coming in, the texts aren't coming, phone calls aren't coming. If I can slow down and spend time, and, and, I, would, and I would challenge people to, to grade yourself on your faith on your family life, on your, uh, your work life, right? Firm for me, on your fitness and on your fun bucket, which we're going to end with is how are you doing? Scale yourself one through 10. What's it look like? And then what do you got to do to get better? What do you got to stop doing? What do you got to start doing? And what do you got to continue to do? Start, stop, continue. And if you can do those three things, I think you're going to find that life's going the direction that you need it to go. So I'll shut up because I'm not the guest here. You guys are, but um, talk about that fun bucket. You know, we joked about sometimes you just got to have a little fun, Conzo, and sometimes I got to, you know, I got to give you a little FaceTime call at, you know, I don't know, 1130 at night and, and have a little chat. And so what, what's that fun bucket like for you, Conzo, John, Sam? What do you like to fill the bucket with? I think for me, just spending time with family and whatever that is, I, I don't necessarily have a script, but these are things that make me happy. I, I, I truly feel what makes me happy. My family's happy when I have a peace of mind, when, when I'm able to, and maybe because of how I grew up, but if I'm able to provide for my family and see smiles on their face and not buying a lot of things, that sort of to, to happiness that way, to be able to provide, that, that brings me happiness, happiness and it gives me peace. But there's not a lot of things that I, that, that I, I have to do this to make me happy. I, because I, again, if, if, I, if I'm blessed to live a long life after coaching, my goal is to live somewhere where I just got peace, maybe out in the pastures and just a peace of mind that that makes me happy. So I don't need to be kicking up a lot of dust to be happy. As long as yeah. I have peace of mind and my family around, I'm good. That's awesome. John, what about you? Uh, I mean, you know, for me, it's a kind of just piggybacking off coach. I mean, I just, you know, you have, for me personally, you know, being in the spotlight of, you know, Hollywood cameras and, you know, doing all these things for me, it's honestly, you know, like, like we were talking about yesterday, coming back home to Missouri from college, was probably the best news that I could ever give my family, you know, that I can be here for, you know, my brothers, my nephews, my, my mom, my dad, and, 
it's simple, but, you know, I think as I get older, I just start to realize how, you know, money and all that isn't, you know, number one. But, you know, thinking about the importance of spending time with my family and realizing that, hey, I'm not only growing as, you know, myself, but having them alongside me to push me to be a better version of myself is just, you know, it's probably the most fun thing that I can do is just continue to learn from my parents as I'm continuing to get older. Love it. Sam? So I think everybody's, you know, buckets are different. You know, with however many letters or numbers or whatever you have, you know, and for me, this is an F, is friends. Um, you know, I, I, as a female entrepreneur, I can tell you that I, I don't get through what I'm doing without friends, without other women and men um, that I can call and be vulnerable with, vulnerable with and problem solve with and talk through and blow off steam with. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the, the one piece that we really didn't talk about. And my family's wonderful. I love my family, um, yeah. I love my business. I love my coworkers. You know, I'm, I have a wonderful team and I'm so grateful that they are on this journey with us every day. But kind of the, the last piece that, that, you know, for me makes me complete as friends. And I, just an asterisk to that. So that bucket for me is filled with friends. So we have a very active you know, neighborhood and a friend group. And it's just, you know, I think about experiences too, right? What experiences can you create um, for your children, for your friends, for your family, and just enjoy the moment. So uh, making sure there's no last uh, questions in here, but uh, I mean, I just really appreciate all of you joining me today to give back to a community. Like I said, I know you've got a lot of things that you can do, whether it's in your startup, you're chasing movies or you're you're chasing recruits and coaches and whatever you're doing. Uh, Man, it's just been awesome to be with each of you. Any parting words? Anybody want to say anything before I uh, sign off here? Anything that I didn't say or didn't ask that maybe you wanted to add? I, if I can read this you know, just for just for our listeners, because uh, I know we always go through something. It's also God. God sends giants to reveal you. He sent Goliath, Goliath to reveal David. He wants to reveal your discipline, to fight. Mm. So times get hard. Keep pushing forward. Keep pushing forward. We'll end right there. That was awesome. Hats off to each of you, Samantha, John, Conzo. Thank you much. Thank you so much for being with us, and thanks to our listeners. If you got any questions, let me know. But uh, thanks so much for being on the Circuit of Success live on Facebook today. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.